0: Welcome to This Week in Video Games episode 116. My name is Tom Kershaw and this is a podcast all about the world of video games. This week I've been looking ahead to 2023, and today I'm going to go through my most anticipated games of the next year, plus a few gaming predictions as well. I've also been playing the Case of the Golden Idol, plus checking out Forspoken from Square Enix. All that, plus we've got one of the best seasons in Destiny 2 going on at the moment in Season of the Seraph, and today I'm going to unpack it all. It's a busy show, so let's get to it. Welcome to the show, everyone. I hope you're well and you're having a good week. I'm good this week, and happy new year, and welcome to 2023. So I'm super excited about the year ahead in gaming. We have an amazing slate of games scheduled for this year, and later on in the show, I'm going to go through my most anticipated games of 2023. I'm also going to be looking back at my predictions for 2022, seeing how I did before looking ahead with some gaming predictions in 2023. Well, before we get into the chat today, it'd be great if you could leave a review over there on Apple Podcasts. really helps get the podcast, get some more eyes on it. So I do have a link in the podcast description, so if you like the show and you want to leave a review, I'd really, really appreciate it. Plus, I'll read out of that review on a future episode of the podcast. Well, This Week in Video Games is also powered by Patreon, and you can check out the right tier for you over there on patreon.com forward slash games. So the tier's been revamped into five easy-to-understand categories. I've got bronze, silver, gold, platinum, and producer. So tiers start only $3 per month, which is less than a cup of coffee. So head on over to patreon.com forward slash games and find the right tier for you today. Well, that's going to be it for my waffly intro, so let's get into what I've been playing this week. Well, this week I've been playing a few games, so the Forspoken Demo... We've got the Case of the Golden Idol, plus also some Destiny 2. With the Forspoken demo, that was released on the Night of the Game Awards in 2022, and it feels like this game has had a load of build-up. It's been delayed at least twice, and it's finally coming out in January. So the demo is available on PS5, and you can go and download it right now via the PlayStation Store if you want to check it out for yourself. But I'm going to bring you my thoughts on that demo later on in the show. Well, next up, we've got the Case of the Golden Idol. This is one that I missed in 2022. But heard so many good things about it. Now, I'm really happy to report it's as good as people have been saying. This is a detective game with a very unique art style similar in gameplay to Return of the Obra Dinn. I'll get into my thoughts of that later on in the show. Finally, I've been engrossed in the new season of Destiny 2 called Season of the Seraph. This is hands down the best season we've had in 2022 with Destiny 2, as we hurtle towards Lightfall on February the 28th as we hurtle towards Lightfall, the next major Destiny expansion that's coming on February the 28th, 2023. Well, talking about 2023, first up in the show today, let's check out my most anticipated games of 2023. Well, 2023 is upon us, and it's a very hard act to follow when it comes to games, because 2022 was a very, very good year. So we had Elden Ring, God of War Ragnarok, Tunic, Vampire Survivors, just to name a few great games. Well, today I want to look ahead to the future at my top 10 most anticipated games of 2023. Well, first up, we've got Destiny 2 Lightfall. This is the penultimate expansion in the Light vs. Darkness saga we to Neptune and the Neon City of Neo-Muna to fight against Callus and the Shadow Cabal. The Witness draws ever nearer Earth, plus the name Lightfall doesn't bode well for the Traveller, currently situated just outside the last city. We've also got a new Darkness subclass coming with Strand, our second Darkness subclass since Stasis was introduced in Beyond Light in 2020. Now, as well as moving the story forward, Bungie is introducing new tools and features like in-game LFG, Guardian Ranks, Commendations... And also a mod management system. And Bungie's next major expansion is set for release on the 28th of February, 2023. Well, next up we got Starfield. So Starfield is the first new universe in 25 years from Bethesda. This is a next generation. Uh, this is a next generation RPG set amongst the stars, where you can create any character that you want and explore with freedom as you embark on an epic journey to answer humanity's greatest mystery. Starfield is set in an area that extends outward from the solar system approximately 50 light years, called the Settled Systems. So around the year 2310, the two largest factions in the game, the United Colonies and the Freestar Collective, well, they engage in a conflict called the Colony War. The game takes place 20 years after the war, with the major factions enjoying an uneasy peace. The player assumes the role of a customizable character who's a member of Constellation, an organisation of space explorers. The game can be played in either third-person or first-person perspectives and Starfield is set to release in 2023. Well next up we've got Diablo 4, so this one is an upcoming action RPG. So Diablo is famous for replayability, procedurally generated dungeons, loop focused character building, you know that is all going to return while new features such as an open world and also PvP interactions, they're going to be introduced. Five playable classes have been announced, so Barbarian, sorceress, druid, rogue and necromancer, all of which appeared in the series before. Players guide their characters through quests and combat in the world of Sanctuary, as the once banished Lilith returns to wreak havoc. The game was announced on November the 1st 2019, all those years ago at Blizzcon, and is scheduled for release on the 6th of June 2023. Well, next up we've got Sea of Stars. This one is an RPG centered around two heroes named Valerie and Zale. They use the power of the sun and the moon to fight against an alchemist. Gameplay includes elements of puzzle solving and turn-based combat, with players able to control up to six playable characters. The game is inspired by RPGs such as Illusion of Gaia, Breath of Fire and Chrono Trigger. So it's got sailing mechanics, side quests and the combat is focused around finding the elemental weakness of enemies. And sea of Stars is located in the same setting as The Messenger, but is also set thousands of years before the events of that latter game. Sea of Stars was originally announced in 2020, first launched as a project on Kickstarter. Sabotage intended to develop the RPG that was more ambitious than The Messenger. The Messenger is absolutely fantastic, by the way. Well, next up, we've got Star Wars Jedi Survivor. So the story of Cal Kestis continues in Survivor as a third-person galaxy-spanning action-adventure game from Respawn Entertainment, developed in collaboration with Lucasfilm Games. This is a narratively driven single player title and it picks up five years after the events of Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order and follows Cal's increasingly desperate fight as the galaxy descends further into darkness. So, Cal is no longer a Padawan, he's come into his own and he's grown into a powerful Jedi Knight. The dark times are closing in though, with enemies new and familiar surrounding him. Cal will need to decide how far he's willing to go to save those closest to him. Also, the cinematic combat system returns with additional force abilities, including a new lightsaber fighting styles. So you can use all these abilities and the weapons to strategically take on the expanded host of enemies, sizing up the strengths and the weaknesses while cleverly utilising your training to overcome opponents and solve the mysteries that lay in your path. That sounds really, really exciting, can't wait for this one. So you can stand against the darkness on March 17th, 2023. Well, next up, we got one that really stood out to me during a recent Nintendo Direct, and it's Pepper Grinder. It's an action-packed pirate adventure starring Pepper, a seafaring soul with a passion for prospecting, and Grinder, her super-powered drilling device. Shipwrecked and robbed of her treasure, Pepper must spin up her trusty sidearm to reclaim what the mischievous gnarling stole. So, armed with Grinder, Pepper burrows through terrain and water, controls machines and pulverises all enemies blocking the way towards recovering her missing fortune... Pepper's progress is not going to be that simple, though, however, as a mysterious being begins to emerge from the shadows. So we've got gritty gameplay, thrilling, drilling, and you can also conquer and collect, so you can pick up jewels as well as other riches during your adventure, cash them in at the shops to power up Pepper, and open up new piles on the world map, and snag collectible stickers for your sticker book. This one looks really, really good. Can't wait for Pepper Grinder. Definitely check that out. Next up, we've got Final Fantasy 16. This one is an upcoming action RPG It's developed and published by Square Enix. This is the 16th main instalment in the Final Fantasy series and scheduled for release in 2023 for the PlayStation 5 as a timed exclusive. The game is going to feature segmented open environments and action-based combat system involving both melee and magic-based attacks. There's also recurring series features including chocobos and summon monsters called icons who are both fought as bosses and used to challenge their power in combat. Final Fantasy XVI is set on Valesthea, a world divided between six nations who all power through access to magical crystals and dominance, humans who act as hosts for each nation's icon. Tensions between the nations escalates as a blight begins consuming the land. Clive Rosfield, guardian to his younger brother Joshua, witnesses his kingdom destroyed and goes on a revenge quest in pursuit of the dark icon Ifrit. Well, next up we've got Wild Hearts. This one is an upcoming action RPG developed by Omega Force. It's published by EA under the EA Originals label. It's the game tasked the player to hunt massive monsters in the Azuma, a fantasy world inspired by Feudal Japan. So basically, think Monster Hunter, and that is what Wild Hearts is similar to. Players assume the role of the nameless hunter who must embark on quests to hunt down massive monsters known as Kimono in the world of Azuma. So Azuma is not open world, but instead several large areas that players can freely explore, And the game features eight different weapon types, including the lights of the Wagasa and the Katana. In addition to using weapons to defeat enemies, players can also build items to assist combat through the Karakuri mechanic. For instance, players can build crates that allow players to leap off and deal massive damage to enemies, or a torch that can be used to ignite enemies. So think of it like the building in Fortnite crossed with the gameplay of Monster Hunter, and that is what Wild Hearts looks similar to. So I'm really, really excited for this one, and the game is set to release on the 17th of February 2023. It's going to release for PlayStation 5, PC, and also Xbox Series S and X. Well, next up, we've got Street Fighter 6. This is one of my most anticipated games. Absolutely love this game. Street Fighter 6, upcoming fighting game developed and published by Capcom. It's going to feature three overarching game modes, so Fighting Ground, World Tour, and Battle Hub. So we got to play the Battle Hub in the recent beta. Fighter Ground contains local and online versus play, as well as training and arcade modes, all featuring similar 2D fighting gameplay to the previous games in the series. So you've got two fighters using a variety of attacks and special abilities to knock out their opponent. World Tour is a single-player story mode featuring a customizable player avatar exploring a 3D environment with an action-adventure gameplay, and you've got the Battle Hub Accident Online Lobby mode with other features set to be revealed in the future. Well, the main fighting gameplay of Street Fighter 6 is based around the Drive Gauge, a system designed to encourage player creativity, so the gauge can be used for five different techniques, requiring players to choose which ones to prioritize. Most of the Drive Gauge mechanics are based on the previously existing mechanics from the previous Street Fighter mainline games, such as parry, focus attack, EX move, etc., etc., and many, many more. And the game features two control types, the classic control scheme, it's got a six-button layout that functions similar to previous entries of Street Fighter, while the modern control scheme assigns special moves to a single-button combination with a directional input. So think of it more like the Smash Brothers control scheme, and that is what the new modern control scheme in Street Fighter is going to be like. Well, really, really excited for this one, and it is going to release on the PlayStation 4, the PlayStation 5, PC, and also Xbox Series S and X on June the 2nd. That is in 2023. Well, finally, we've got my most anticipated game of 2023, And of course, it is The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. So, development started on this one in 2017 after The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild was completed. The game was announced at E3 2019 as the sequel to Breath of the Wild. Then at E3 2021, Nintendo debuted a trailer revealing gameplay, story elements and a 2022 release date. But unfortunately, Nintendo changed the release date to Q2 in 2023. Nintendo revealed more information in their Nintendo Direct in September 2022, including the title Tears of the Kingdom, and of course the release date of the 12th of May 2023. So we got the Breath of the Wild director Hidemaro Fubiyashi and the Zelda producer I.G. Aonuma. They are both coming back for the game. and The game was conceived after the team was unable to use every idea planned for Breath of the Wild. They were going to include it in downloadable content, but instead they decided just to make a brand new game. It's been six years in development, so I've got really, really high hopes for this game. New elements include floating islands above Hyrule, and players are going to be able to soar between them in a similar style to The Legend of Zelda, Skyward Sword. Well, that is it for my most anticipated games of 2023. So let me know down there in the comments on YouTube, or you can get me on Twitter at twivgPodcasts, And of course, over there on Patreon at patreon.com, forward slash this week in video games where you can find the right tier for you let me know your most anticipated games for 2023 and i would love to feature them on a future episode of the podcast well that is it for the most and well that is it for my most anticipated games of 2023 but next up continuing that theme of 2023 let's look at some video game predictions 2022 is behind us and 2023 is now, meaning we can predict all kinds of wild things for the year ahead. Today, I'm going to look back at 2022's predictions and laugh at how ridiculous those attempts at predicting the future were, plus also look ahead to 2023 so we can do the same thing all over again a year from now. Okay, first up, let's have a look at the 2022 review. And with my first prediction, I was a bit timid. I said NFTs go big, so with retrospect to this, it was an obvious one. Now, a certain section of gaming did go big on nfts including square Enix and gamestop introducing their own nft products however gamers shunned the world of nfts and much of the market collapsed just going to show we can push back on trends we really really don't like well next up consoles and chip shortages are going to continue well that certainly was true in 2022 you know getting a new pc still remains very expensive due to the shortages around the world and although gpu prices did start to fall Hopefully, that trend is going to continue in 2023. Apparently, Nintendo held back their new Nintendo Switch due to the shortages. So hopefully, the shortages are going to ease up this year and we're finally going to see that new Nintendo Switch. Well, next up I said Xbox is going to announce a new dongle. So this one didn't happen, although we did see a partnership with TV companies like Samsung to have Xbox Game Pass built directly into their TV. Well, next up I said Microsoft is going to continue to acquire companies and Activision could be a candidate, so this was surprisingly on point with the Activision acquisition announced in January. However, it didn't really get much further than talk. That turned into mudslinging from Sony, with the Japanese company trying to throw multiple wrenches into that deal. Sony's argument seemed to hinge on Microsoft's acquisition of Call of Duty, which did have record-breaking sales in 2022. Well, next up I said more successful video game TV shows. Well, we certainly did see more successes when it came to TV shows based on video games and that looks set to continue in 2023. Cyberpunk's Edge Runner was probably the most successful leading to a resurgence in Cyberpunk 2077 sales. Well, next up I said gaming's going to dabble in the metaverse laying the foundations for the future. So this one was rather a timid prediction again. However, in 2022, Meta, formerly Facebook, tried to get big into the metaverse with shockingly bad results. Fortnite and Epic continue to demonstrate how it's done and why we already have the metaverse here and that is something that the company meta is trying so hard to build. All they need to do is look over what Epic is doing and have a chat with them. Well next up in the predictions I said Hollow Knight Silksong will be shown in Indie Direct and released on the same day. Well unfortunately that didn't happen. We did see Hollow Knight Silksong at the Xbox showcase but unfortunately it wasn't released and we still don't know when it's going to come out, Although Xbox did say that everything in their presentation was going to come out within 12 months from then. Well next prediction, Sony's going to launch their Game Pass competitor, well Sony did revamp the PlayStation Plus, as to whether it's a competitor to Game Pass, well I think that's arguable, Sony might say it is, others may disagree, personally I don't think it's a Game Pass competitor but I do think Sony want it to be. And I do expect Sony to rework PlayStation Plus further in 2023 and 2024 to position it more into a Game Pass competitor. But at the minute, I don't really think it's up to scratch. Well, next up, Bobby Kotick stays in charge at Activism Blizzard. Unfortunately, that one is true, but hopefully not for much longer. And final prediction for 2022, I said Bloodborne Remaster for PS5. Unfortunately, this one didn't come true and continues to be on everyone's wish list. Sony did announce that loads of games coming to the PC, though. So The Last of Us, Returnal for 2023. Plus, they also released Spider-Man, Miles Morales, Uncharted, and more in 2022. Well, next up, we got the 2023 prediction. So let's have a look forward to the year ahead. So first prediction, Valve going to launch a rival to Xbox Game Pass. So all eyes have been on Sony. However, I think this could be the year that Valve surprises everybody and releases their own Game Pass subscription service. Valve had a very successful 2022 with the launch of the Steam Deck and it'd be a very shrewd move to follow that up with their own subscription service. Well, next up for the prediction, Spider-Man 2 is going to be delayed into 2024. So not good news for Spider-Man fans this year. While Insomniac only recently announced the release date for Spider-Man 2 with their announcement on Twitter, Unfortunately, I don't think it's going to make it, and I think it's being be pushed back into 2024. Well, next prediction, this one is a big one. Sony is going to buy Square Enix, and Sony are ramping up their live service activities this year with the help of Bungie, but I think they're going to ramp up their acquisitions as well, and Square Enix are the perfect partners. Last year, Square Enix shed some studios with the sale of Ideos Crystal Dynamics and Square Enix Montreal. Now, Square Enix shed their North American studios this could be in preparation for a potential sale. You know, whether Square Enix need to be bought is another matter, you know, what with their Final Fantasy XIV money. Well, next prediction, supply chain is going to return to normal. So This year is going to be the year where we see supply chains return back to normal post-pandemic, with prices of graphic cards and processors going down to normal levels. Plus, we're going to be able to freely get Xbox Series X and PlayStation 5 consoles. And while many consoles have been available, they still haven't been readily available, you still can't go into the shop and get a PlayStation 5, which has had an impact on which platform games get released on, with developers not being able to let go of the massive reach and the install base afforded by the last generation consoles. Well, next up, is going to release their new Switch, so one of the main benefits of the supply chain going back to normal will be Nintendo's ability to release their next Nintendo Switch. You know, it could be the Switch Pro or the Super Nintendo Switch, Whichever name you prefer. Rumours were so heavy in 2022. Nintendo had their new console ready to go. That was a massive surprise when it wasn't announced. And apparently, this was because of supply chain issues. Nintendo is in dire need of new hardware, with some releases creaking at the seams in 2022, including Bayonetta 3 and Pokemon Scarlet and Violet. Well, next prediction we're going to get a new mainline Mario game. So, Super Mario Odyssey was released in 2017 the same year as Breath of the Wild and the Nintendo Switch itself. 2017 was a bumpy year for Nintendo, and I'm predicting that 2023 is going to be another one, with the release of not only The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom, but also the next mainline Mario game. Well, next up, Microsoft's acquisition of Activision is going to go through, but not in 2023. So Microsoft shook the foundations of the gaming world in 2022, with their purchase of Activision Blizzard King, However, I don't think this is going to go through in 2023. I think this one's going to drag out into 2024. Plus, we're going to see some spectacular mudslinging, which got real dirty in 2022. But I think that was only the starter compared to the 2023 main course. With next prediction, Epic is going to show us the real metaverse. So Fortnite had a massive year in 2022. It's going to continue to demonstrate the benefits of the real metaverse in 2023. So while Meta continues to spend billions on financing their version of the Metaverse, it's actually already here in Fortnite. All Epic has to do is push this into the mainstream beyond gamers, and hey presto, there we already have the Metaverse. You can already be many TV show characters, Marvel superheroes, and other random celebrities, it's going to be really interesting to see where Epic can take this next. Well, next prediction, I think the PSVR 2 is going to flop. So the PSVR 2 is scheduled for release in February but its lack of backward compatibility and the lacking launch lineup, and also the huge price. I'm predicting a pretty big failure when it comes to the PSVR 2. It feels like Sony has already dropped this hardware, not really telling us anything about it. You know, given its launch, it's only a few months away. It feels like Sony are begrudgingly going ahead with this launch. The VR market remains a tough cookie to crack. I don't think Sony's PSVR 2 is the device to make any more progress. The future of VR is with a similar device compared to the MetaQuest 2, and given Sony's device is tethered and costs upwards of £500 and $500, I think this one, unfortunately, is going to be dead on arrival. Final prediction, Tears of the Kingdom is going to be the game of the year. So the Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom, currently scheduled to release on the 12th of May 2023. I think the Zelda team is going to have another hit on their hands and easily take the game of the year for 2023. Well let me know in the comments what you think about the predictions for 2023 and let me know your predictions as well so you can comment on the YouTube video you can get in contact on Twitter at TWIVG podcast or on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash the speaking video games let me know I'd love to hear your predictions. Well that is it for the predictions of the past and the future but next up let's have a look at the forespoken Demo. Forspoken has had a very long build-up, but we're approaching the time of release, and that is coming very, very soon in January. To help generate a little bit more hype, Square Enix has released a demo available on the PlayStation 5 Store, so if you were remotely interested in Forspoken, I would recommend jumping into the demo before the release on the 24th of January, 2023. Forspoken is readily available on the PlayStation Store. It's a fairly unique demo, so it appears to be not a section of the game. It's an original curated slice. So you have a few objectives, so you can run around the open world to get a real feel for what Forspoken is, and what it's all about, speed, combat, and parkour. So far, the response to the demo hasn't been entirely positive. It's a very mixed review from players. It's definitely a Marmite game right now. People love it and hate it in equal measures. A quick glance at the Forspoken subreddit and you'll see posts titled, This is the best game Square has ever released. Other players say, well, they're glad Square released a demo, because now they know to avoid the game until it goes on sale. Well, that is an absolute ouch. Personally, I think the game is somewhere in the middle. The gameplay is fast, the combat's fun, the parkour's quite interesting. For a demo, it manages to keep me engaged. Whether or not it's going to keep me engaged for the whole game, well, that is a question yet to be answered. So Square Enix's internal teams are generally known for creating Final Fantasy games but after Final Fantasy XV, Square decided to do something a little bit different and founded a new internal Square studio called Luminous Productions and their mission was to create new IP AAA games. Studio took the engine developed for Final Fantasy XV and started developing Forspoken. First known as Project Athia, it is now known as Forspoken, of course. Well, the main character in Forspoken is Frey Holland, who's played by Ella Bolinska. And Belinska has described Frey as a young woman in a beautiful yet threatening world and one of the trailers sees Frey transported from the modern-day New York to one with castles with dragons. After stepping through a portal, they arrived in the mystical land of Athia. With the gameplay and forespoken, its action, adventure and RPG, Frey moves incredibly fast across the environments, among the high-fidelity backgrounds, as well as traversing the environments Frey can climb, run up on surfaces and jump as well, in similar gameplay to 2018's Marvel Spider-Man. Frey has magical abilities which include forming a shield of light, and making vines explode out of the ground at a moment's notice. Frey can also fire high-speed projectiles at enemies, so it seems like Frey has a decent arsenal at her disposal. Environments look really gorgeous and varied from what we've seen so far in this demo, and they include fantastical architecture, cliff edges, grasslands, and traversal appears to be a massive component of the game, and getting around the environment quickly and easily is going to be really, really important. Well, let me know down there in the comments if you're looking forward to Forspoken. And that is it for now concerning Forspoken, but let me know what you think of it and whether you're looking forward to that game. So you can hit me up on Twitter at TWIVG Podcast, also on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash video games, or you can also let me know down in the comments. Well that is it for now for Forspoken, but next up let's have a look at the all-platform charts. at number 10 this week, it's Minecraft, that's up one place from last week's number 9. At number 9, it's Mario Plus Rabid Sparks of Hope, that's up five place from last week's number 14. At 8, it's Pokemon Scarlet, that's up one place from last week's number 7. At 7, it's Sonic Frontiers, that's up four place from last week's number 11. At 6, holding steady, it's Nintendo Switch Sports. At 5, holding steady, it's Pokemon Violet. 4, holding steady, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. 3, God of War Ragnarok. 2, Call of Duty Modern Warfare. And still in at number one, and that was the New Year's number one, it's FIFA 23. Well, that is the rundown of the charts there, so congrats to the team at EA, and that is the final FIFA of the FIFA series. Of course, this year we're going to get EA Sports FC, so it's going to be really interesting to see how that one does. Well, that is it for now for the charts, but next up let's check out my review of Case of the Golden Idol. Well, Case of the Golden Idol is a detective game similar to The Return of the Obra Din, although Case of the Golden Idol has arguably better writing and a whole load of humour as well. Well, as soon as you start up the Case of the Golden Idol, you witness a murder. There's little explanation as to what you're witnessing, no hand-holding or tutorial. You're simply thrown into the mystery and it's up to you to solve it on your terms. Case of the Golden Idol is segmented into chapters and they collectively tell the tale of the Cloudsley story That is a rich family in the world of the Case of the Golden Idol. That's one of the Clouds Liz getting murdered in the opening exchange of the game. Well, Case of the Golden Idol, is set in the 18th century in England, and the game certainly has its own style. It's a cross between pixel art and certain caricatures similar to the original Day of the Tentacle, if you can remember that one, and other LucasArts games. So when I originally saw the game, I could have sworn this was going to be a point-and-click adventure game. Once you get into the Case of the Golden Idol, it is so much more than that. Well, gameplay-wise, Case of the Gold Idol is similar in fashion to Return of the Obra Dinn. Given there aren't many tutorials in the game, it's a case of using your wits and your skills to uncover who the murderer is. And at first, this may seem like a simple mechanic, but later on it becomes devilishly tricky. For example, in one of the first moments, you have to analyse someone being pushed off a cliff. There's a freeze frame, some small animations you're allowed to investigate with a few clicks of the mouse, as well as analysing the imagery in front of you. There's also two modes to select, exploring and thinking. Well, exploring allows you to analyse what you can see in front of you. You can seek for clues in the image. For example, who is trying to push this person off a cliff? So is the person who's pushing someone off the cliff holding any objects that may help identify them? Are there any names or locations or anything that's going to help solve the crime? Then keywords fill up the lower section of the screen and I'll say for later when you switch into thinking mode. So in thinking mode, you have to fill in the blank words down below. And when you explore, you're generating these keywords and the blanks. And then when you're in thinking mode, you have to fill in the blanks and solve the problem. So it's a really neat little mechanic, which is slightly tricky to get into at first. Once you're in, then you're in, and things become second nature. Now, Case of the Golden Idol presents you with multiple murders. Then you've got to work out how this all fits into the wider landscape. Greed, backstabbing and plotting. Yeah, it's all here. We've got cults, poisonings class battles on the horizon, we meet many of the Cloudsley clan, and ultimately the story revolves around the Golden Idol, a device that is used to manipulate matter. Humour is definitely strong in the writing, it's good because the game can be a little bit strange to look at sometimes. The artwork is very unique but largely static, and the audio work is key to building up the tension in the game. As you progress through the game, other characters try and throw you off the scent, so you've got to keep your investigative nose to the ground and stay strong. Look around you, because everyone is a suspect, given the amount of money and power that is involved in this story. Okay, so the Golden Idol starts out straightforward enough, but the puzzles and the brain teasers get complex the later you go in the game, to such an extent that sometimes it's worth putting the game down and having a bit of a break or a rest, then coming back to it fresh with a new perspective. I found myself banging my head against a brick wall a couple of times, but once refreshed, I came back and things seemed to open up a little bit. So we do have the thinking mode for this kind of thing, although i found it a little bit too much at times. i found taking time away from the game worked better for me. Persevere with the game, though, because it definitely is worth it. Well, the game follows a linear story, but as each chapter goes by, time passes too, and the Cloudsley family, all their arguments fall away to national issues. So totalitarian governments come to power, and as the time goes by, there's an incredible sense of urgency in the timeline of the game. Case of the Golden Idol really comes together in the closing chapters, you know, pulling together all the characters, the scheming, and the big picture comes into focus. This is a tale of how power corrupts, and it also shines the light on that through brilliant satire. The game is rich in history, it's got its own personality, it's very unique, plus the mechanics of the detective work may be some of the best I've ever seen in a game like this. While I did enjoy Return of the Oberdin, I found that it didn't really grab my attention like Case of the Golden Idol. I would say it's probably one that flew under the radar for many in 2022 but it's definitely something worth checking out in 2023. Well that is it for my review of The Case of the Golden Idol definitely go out there and seek it out it's really really good fun. Next up I want to dive back into one of my favorites we're going to go back over to Destiny 2 and the latest season this one is called Season of the Seraph and I want to dive into why this is the best season we had in 2022. Well, Destiny 2 Season of the Seraph has been out for a few weeks now. I've experienced the full range of content. So we've got story, seasonal activities, a dungeon, an exotic mission, great loot, an overhaul of competitive ranked PvP, and quite a lot more as well. Today, I want to dive into my thoughts on the season so far, and what we still have to look forward to when it comes to the rest of the season in Season of the Seraph. Without further delay, let's dive right into things. So first of all, the story... So this was a much-predicted storyline with Anna Bray and Rasputin coming back into the fold. Zivu Arath also takes a starring role, given she's trying to get hold of Rasputin's warsats and cause an extinction-level event on Earth. So we've got to restore the war mind Rasputin, given he was siphoned into an engram when the Pyramid ships turned up in Season of Arrivals just before Beyond Light. Osiris, well, he seems to be okay again, having only drunk a restorative tea made out of Neserek only a few weeks ago. Plus we got Clovis Bray and Elsie Bray along for the ride as well. Well, there's something not quite right with Clovis and given we in that mode of having to trust him rather than wanting to work with him and it appears as if getting Resputin back isn't going to be as simple as we first thought. So as well as the weekly narrative beats we also have a great story with the dungeon, the exotic mission and while the story is a little bit confusing sometimes with many robot names and war minds and all that kind of thing you know, we've got to remember all that stuff and it's still very gripping as we lead into the main story of Lightfall inevitably make our way to Neptune in the latter part of the season i don't know about you really really enjoying the story of this season especially last week's story content as well where we got to go back to the iron temple and we managed to get Resputin into the exo frame and Anna flushed out Clovis although i think we're still going to have some really really good moments for the rest of the season we're only on step 4 of the seasonal mission at the moment we still got at least 3 or 4 steps to go I think Clovis might have something up his robotic sleeve. Well, next up we've got the seasonal activity, Heist Battlegrounds. They've been given a major update in difficulty this time. So we've got regular Heist Battlegrounds and Legend Heist Battlegrounds that often feel like nightfalls compared to strikes regarding to the difficulty. Structure is pretty interesting as we start out in a battle in an open space on somewhere like the Moon or Mars. Yes, Escalation Protocol Mars is back. Then we open up a Seraph Bunker, Spelunk, inside defeat a few enemies to delve further into the bunker, and then face off against a combination of Hive and Fallen. It's all really, really refreshing to have a single-season activity to focus on, plus the difficulty is nice, and the loot is very, very good as well. But more about loot in a minute. First of all, let's talk about that dungeon. So the dungeon is called Spire of the Watcher. This one is based on Mars near the Enclave, and much of the early feedback about the dungeon was it was short, the mechanics were simple, and the bosses were bullet sponges. And while I agree with the latter feedback about the bosses being bullet sponges, I really have come round to the mechanic and come round to this dungeon completely, whereby we have to reconnect electrical cables through the different play spaces. So I really like the vertical nature of the dungeon, plus the loot is excellent and there's secrets as well. I still don't have my cowboy hat, although I do have all the other armour. Now the Tex Mechanica loot is fantastic, including the new sidearm. That can roll Desperado. I was lucky enough to get one with Desperado. We've got the long arm, a legendary version of Dead Man's Tale. The dungeon is also farmable, meaning you can go in time and time again if you're still looking to get a full set of cowboy loot. Well, next up, we've got Operation Seraph Shield. This is an exotic mission. So the exotic mission is relatively new in the game, only a couple of weeks old, but I've really, really enjoyed my time with it so far. Seraph Shield is mainly puzzles and a few encounters, Certainly one of the best exotic missions Bungie have come out with in a long time. Vox Obscura was another exotic mission earlier on in The Witch Queen, although this one far exceeds Vox Obscura. Well, definitely for me. Anyway, let me know in the comments what you think about it. This one reuses some assets from Deepstone Crypt. Personally, though, I don't really mind too much. This is one of the most aesthetically pleasing environments that we have in Destiny. Plus you got all the individual moments like going out of the space station, handing yourself into the Fallen, before running through a catch all guns blazing. Then at the end of the exotic mission we've got the exotic pulse rifle Revision Zero, which we can customise week over week with four catalysts. Then we've got zones and secrets to uncover with the mission itself. It may not hit the heights of the Whisper mission or Zero Hour, but this is by far the best exotic mission we've seen in Beyond Light and Witch Queen Era Destiny. Well, next up let's have a look at the loot so i'm talking about the weapons and the armor so loot this season has been absolutely excellent we've got the reissued ikelos weapons the selected serif weapons through the dungeon the ikelos weapons are nice and easy to get finding the rasputin nodes around the system and combining the resonant stems to create a map to find the loot it is a neat little puzzle to get some reprised weapons which are better than ever the seasonal weapons are good too so the pulse rifle and the linear fusion rifle both stand out as weapons to chase You've also got that new machine gun as well, which is absolutely melting bosses. So there's definitely a lot of really good loot to chase in Season of the Seraph. Exotic weapons are decent too, so we've had a couple so far. The seasonal exotic is called the Manticore, which is a submachine gun that basically allows you to fly. And while this may end up as a little bit of a novelty, it was impressive in the opening moments of the season. We've got another exotic as well called the Hierarchy of Needs, which is an exotic bow from the dungeon. This is a really interesting one. I don't have this one just yet, but I've definitely seen a lot of other people playing with that exotic bow, where you can build up something called a Guidance Ring. So precision hits and final blows build Guidance Ring energy, and opposing guardians grant additional energy, and at full charge, hit find creates a Guidance Ring. Then you've got a Pollock Tangent, so arrows fired through the Guidance Ring, release seeking projectiles, and do more damage based on distance travelled. So that sounds absolutely awesome. I can't wait to get my hands on it. I just haven't been lucky enough with that final boss in the dungeon so far. As well as the so as well as the weapons, we got great armor sets including the Assassin's Creed crossover. Plus, we got the Arc armor, which really should have been introduced in season 18. However, it is better late than never. The Dawning armor set is excellent as always. The Dawning armor set was excellent as always, and also we got the seasonal Warmind set from the season pass, and also the seasonal activity too. Well next up we got PvP, so this season has seen a major rework for competitive PvP, with the introduction of the competitive division and a ranked playlist. I've seen a lot of negative feedback concerning new competitive, however, personally I quite like it. And in terms of loot, so in terms of loot chase, we got Rose, a 140 hand cannon reissued from Destiny's Past. Once you complete your placement matches, that is seven regular matches of comp, you're gonna get a static roll of Rose. Then, week over week, you can complete three matches more to get a random rolled version of Rose. And this gun has some excellent perks. You can't really go wrong when it comes to getting perks on the Rose. problem with comp at the minute is there isn't really an incentive to keep playing. There's no unique cosmetics for comp and you can't show off your rank in game. These are basic design flaws that are going to turn off a lot of players. So Bungie may be laying the groundwork for further competitive rework features in the future, like adding more loot and cosmetics. I've heard plenty of feedback from top-tier players that this really isn't it. In fact, many PvP players are questioning their place in the Destiny 2 ecosystem at the minute, which is quite a shame to see. Personally, I'm having a lot of fun in comp this season. You know, the mode is motivating me to come back and play week over week. However, I am not a high-level player, and even though I've been playing Destiny 2 PvP for years, I'm still quite new to PvP and don't really know the nuances of why a game mode is good or bad or not. I kind of just go by game feel, and if it feels good, then I am enjoying it. And comp, for me, at the minute, feels quite good. So what I do know is what I enjoy, and so far, so good. I think Bungie could definitely improve this mode over time. I'm looking forward to what they can do with it in the future. Well, next up, we've got events. So Festival of the Lost and Solstice were criticised for being overly grindy, especially against the backdrop of Season of Plunder, which had the overriding themes of grindiness really putting players off. The Dawning this time round was much better and I breezed through the triumphs for the title at the aptly named Star Baker and by the end of it I could happily continue playing the Dawning activities or the game loop whereas at the end of the Festival of the Lost title I really didn't want to engage in anything after that I was just happy to finish that title. Okay next up my final thoughts so we're only about four or five weeks into the season but we've already enjoyed a lot of content in Season of the Seraph. Light Falls on the Horizon scheduled to release on the 28th of February 2023. And no doubt, as the season continues, we're going to find out more about Clovis Bray, Rasputin, and Zivu Arath. Things are inevitably going to take a dark turn. And to be honest, I'm 100% here for it. I'm happy to report that Season of the Seraph is one of the best seasons that we've enjoyed in Destiny 2 throughout the entire year of the Witch Queen. And I'm really, really looking forward to see how this takes us into Lightfall. Also, really interested to hear what you think about Season of the Seraph if you've been playing. And if you haven't jumped into Destiny 2, now is a great time to do it we've got a new expansion just around the corner well let me know in the comments what you think about season of the Seraph. also hit me up on twitter at twivg podcast also over there on patreon at patreon.com forward slash this week video games we'd really really love to hear what you think about season of the Seraph. well that is it for now well that is it for now well that is it for now for my thoughts on season of the Seraph. but next up let's have a look at games coming in the next few weeks well, not too many games the next few weeks. Seems like January is a slow month, so it's probably a good time to catch up on some backlog games. I know, I'm definitely going to do that. But first up, we've got Lone Ruin. That is coming to Switch and PC. That is January the 12th. Also on the 12th, we've got Vengeful Guardian Moonrider. PS5, PS4, Switch and PC. On the 13th, we've got Dragon Ball Z Kakarot. PS5, Xbox Series S and X. Then we've got One Piece Odyssey. That's PS5, Xbox Series S and X, PS4, Xbox One and That is also on January the 13th. Well, that is going to be it for this week's episode. Once again, Happy New Year. And if you want to get involved in the show, get in contact through Twitter at TWIVG Podcast, at Patreon at Patreon.com, for slash This Week in Video Games, or just hit me up down there in the comments. Well, thank you so much for listening and for more This Week in Video Games content like this. Like, subscribe on YouTube and also share with a friend. So if you enjoyed this podcast or found it useful, liking and sharing it would really help me out. Otherwise, check out the other podcast in the feed. Well, thanks again, and I'll see you soon.